I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. This week we're going to talk about advanced bookmaking and sports betting tactics. Um, I probably said a lot of these things we're going to talk about. Some probably not, but over the last several podcasts, we've been running this podcast now um, for since 2000 and I think it's 19. Um, so we've been rocking and rolling for a while. And, uh, I, you know, the Be Better Betters as a whole was designed as a guide to be a better better. Um, and I designed the podcast to be able to listen to some of the best betters and bookmakers in the world to get their insights and their stories. And also, when I'm ever going solo, to be able to give my insights on how to be a better better. And I've talked a lot about a lot of things and a lot of beginner stuff, intermediate stuff. Here we're going to get to the advanced. This type of stuff, for the from the better standpoint, I think is, is pretty advanced and um, probably is not going to apply to most. So, um, hey, it is what it is. Maybe it does apply, and maybe one day it'll apply. Um, so, sit back, relax, you might learn something. Or maybe not. Whatever. But, from the bookmaker side, I kind of want to give, and again, I've never been a bookmaker, but at the same time, I've seen bookmakers, and I've seen successful ones and unsuccessful ones. And I'll give my perspective on how to be a better bookmaker and what to do and what I feel from the bookmakers that I've talked to that have been successful over the two-plus decades I've been in the business. So, let's sit back, relax, and let me get right to it. Let's talk about goals. So, for a bookmaker, we're going to do the bookmaker first, and then we'll do the better. So, a bookmaker. What's the bookmaker's ultimate goal? I've heard so many different things. A lot of bookmakers take so much pride. My goal is to have the highest hold percentage. Another bookmaker might say, I want to beat every single player. I will never let a winning player seep through. And if he does, I'm going to just kick him right out. Another goal of a bookmaker might be to say, you know what, I just want to market and, and be known as the best in the world and You know what, I don't care what else happens. Let me just let, I want to be the most famous and not worry about the bottom line. I just want to be able to acquire as many customers as possible. All these three things, in my opinion, are all wrong. Um, The ultimate goal of any bookmaker, just like in any business, and for any better, is to make the most money. You want to make the most money possible. All these things that I just mentioned defy making the most money possible. Let's first talk about having the highest hold percentage. A hold percentage is just a percentage of what you're holding, but of course, it only factors in whatever you write. So if you're writing, you know, the old old adage, I'd rather hold 1% of a billion than 5% of a million. Um, It's just... Hold percentage is the most overrated statistic, and um, a lot of people hand their hat on that as bookmakers. <laughs> Bottom line is you want to make the most money possible. And bookmakers, a lot of the up-and-comers or a lot of the new guys in the industry, big, big joints, they don't understand, or at least I, I, the way I see them run, 
is they don't understand that you can hold less, but if you write more, it's okay. And um, it's just, you know, the old, it's the tried and true thing, write, write, write. As a bookmaker, and everything I'm saying is, you know, writing bets is always the answer. Always. Um, I can't think of an occurrence where choosing not to write a bet is not, uh, choosing to, to take a game down or to kick a player out or reduce limits. It's, you know, or, or do something like that. No, you want to always strive towards increasing limits long term. You always want to strive to writing more. That's the goal because the more you write, and if the sportsbook is run properly, the more you write, the more you will earn. Um, 11 is bigger than 10. Minus 110 is such a powerful tool in the possession of the bookmaker. And I think that it's such an undervalued uh, advantage. And I think that a lot of a lot of bookmakers out there, up and comers, they, they, they just, they, they rely on, on, they think that the hold is everything, and they think it's like a casino game, where, uh, you know, it's all about hold, and you're writing the same much, you know, depending on travel and tourism and stuff, pretty consistent, monthly, you know, but, but with bookmakers, um, depending on how uh, talented bookmakers are, you want to be able to increase that hold by writing more action, um, um, and even if you have a lower hold, you want to, you'll be able to increase the money because it's not about the hold; it's about the money. So you know, and then being the most famous, some bookmakers want to be the most famous. They'll blow the whole marketing budget. Some of these bookmakers on paper, they're all losing money because they just keep trying to market, 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 giving out these free plays and giving out this and that and boost this and boost my ass and puff my nuts and do all this other shit. It, it, you know, this is all short-term, the bonus craze back in the offshore world. All that shit dies off, and ultimately it, it, it seems to be uh, not a viable solution long-term for the bookmaker. Um, all, all, your name and your reputation will grow as long as you write action and treat customers the right way. That's what should always be the goal, not to be the most famous, because the fame and, and notoriety of a bookmaker will be known just by running the shop, in my opinion, the correct way. And that leads to the third thing, beating every player. This is just, you know, it's insane. When bookmakers want to beat every player, it's, um, and if they think that a player, I'm not talking about guys that get lucky hitting parlays. I'm talking about any long-term winner that a bookmaker sees. We're like, oh, no, get rid of them. And that's the automatic, that's it. We put the axe and then, the analogy I've always given in the past is probably heard it a hundred times, but I'll do it anyway. Where you have a basement that's flooding in Seattle, let's just say, where it's always raining. And um, the two ways to solve the flood is to be able to hire a bucket brigade that scoops the water out, cheap labor. And you just do it day after day, but the flood keeps coming back, the basement keeps getting flooded, but you just keep hiring the buckets to just scoop that water out. And sure, it's a short-term solution, and it works every time, but and it's cheap, but you got to keep doing it. it. never solves the problem. just puts a Band-Aid on it. And soon the mold will start running, and even though you get to the water in time, mold starts uh, developing, and then you're like, oh, this is just, it's not viable long-term. The other solution, of course, is to hire an engineer to be able to reroute that rainwater so that you could use it to your advantage, and the basement doesn't flood again. And an engineer will change the scaling of the house and, and the drainage and, and, and do what engineers do 
to be able to make that rainwater not a problem but a solution. Of course, the engineer is a long-term uh, strategy, and um, it's expensive at first, especially. To run a sports book the right way is not easy. So for the bookmaker to do that, you know, he could keep taking a cheap route, but he'll never solve the problem, or hire a talented engineer, otherwise known as a bookmaker, a, a, a guy that knows how to move lines, um, and of course the rainwater is, is the sharp sports better that will come all the time. He'll find a way to come. It'll never stop raining. It's like sharp sports betters are never going to stop infiltrating sports books. It just will never stop. So you got to figure out a way to deal with it than to push it off. And um, beating every player, I think, is is, is is completely the wrong way to do it. Um, and, and it's proven. You know, it, it's, um, it's one of those things in which, you know, you look at it. Let's just say an example. You got a guy. You know he's a long-term winner. Let's just say he bet you're giving him five dimes a game on average. Everything's on average. Now let's just say he's writing, he's betting twenty bets a week. Um, five dimes. Let's just say it's a three percent hold. He's making about hundred and fifty dollars a bet, writing twenty bets a week. Um, so you're writing him for five million a year, and he's making three percent. He's making hundred and fifty thousand off you. Oh no. Why would we want to keep somebody like that? He's killing us consistently for 150000 every year. No, dummy. You figure out a way to be able to write, say, $10 million, hold 2% of that $10 million to his action, and then you make 200000 and you net 50000 That's what happens. The talented bookmaker knows how to take that bet and to be able to write more action. A bet Writing a bet makes writing the next bet easier, makes writing the next bet easier, and then it's just a machine that runs. And then the talented bookmaker knows how to profile the customers correctly and how to move just enough without over-moving to be able to write the bet, or sometimes over-moving, but always to be able to just know to say, hey, listen, I want to get to that closing line as fast as possible, and this is where I think it could be. That's what, it, And it's trial and error, and that takes years and years of experience. But the closer that bookmaker gets to that closing line, the sooner, I should say, not the close. the sooner the bookmaker gets, that's, that's the ultimate goal, right, for the bookmaker. You want to get to the closing line as fast as possible, writing as cheap bets as possible. You want to write the bets early for lower limits. In the anatomy of a line, you know, spank odds, we have limit changes, and limit changes are so big because you know when the limits go up and down and... And, um, and as the game gets closer to the post and the injury reports are out, and you know, a bookmaker consistently will always increase your limits as the game gets closer. It's very rare where I've seen a bookmaker, particularly for football, where they just have consistent limits throughout. I remember 15 years ago, maybe MGM used to hang up on NFL on the Monday for the next Sunday's games, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, they'd hang up 30 dimes, they'll take 30 dimes NFL sides, and it'll stay that way all week long. And that was an anomaly. It's, it's, you rarely see that. Limits increase as the week progresses, as the injury reports get out, as you know how close you are to that closing line. And then you just write. And that's the thing. And, and people are like, oh, my God, but what if I just write a bet minus four and the line's going to close seven? Why would I do that? It's okay. 
Because you writing is going to warrant writing another bet. A lot of bookmakers are scared that, oh my God, I'm going to hoop. The bets that you write at three dimes will be dwarfed by the bets that you write at 30 dimes and 50 dimes. Get close to that closing number and then increase the limits accordingly. It's just, it, it's, it's the true and tried winner. You've seen Chris do it. You've seen Pinnacle do it. You've seen Circa do it. You've seen Grande do it. You've seen all these bookmakers over the years, Olympic do it. Um, the list goes on and on. It's just obvious, and, and it's a true and tried winner. These are successful bookmakers that have been doing this for so long in the world. Yet, people don't understand. Now, it takes talent. It takes talent to know how to move. Very different skill. A lot of people say, hey, listen, I'm an odds maker. What's the difference between that and a bookmaker? Very different talents. An odds maker makes a line. Important talent to have. But a bookmaker moves the line. Some of the best bookmakers I know can't make odds for shit. Some of the best odds makers I know don't know how to profile customers and move the line accordingly. These are two distinct talents. Same thing on the betting side. Some guys have great mathematical models. They're nerds in the background, and they're like, yeah, look, I crunched my numbers, and my line is the best line. Look at me. That's great. Can you get down? Being a professional handicapper, odds maker, is nothing without being a professional better. Can you get down at the best price for the most amount of money? Two different distinct talents on both sides of the counter. Some of the most successful bookmakers I've seen have been betting bookmakers. And betting bookmakers I've seen that actually bet and book. And of course, that doesn't really happen in the regulated joints, but the offshore joints I've seen it. Pinnacle, of course, was notorious for being a betting bookmaker. Olympic, the Greek, was also notorious for being a betting bookmaker. Several others over the years. The Delmar boys, notorious, notorious for being betting bookmakers. And they were very hard to beat. Because they bet and they book and it's just it's it's very hard. Um, most of these guys, well, a lot of them had their own internal handicappers, and a lot of them didn't. They just knew how to profile their customers correctly. So a lot of the guys had their own set of numbers, and they would book according to those numbers. You know, and those are the ones that you know have been notoriously very, very successful uh, over the years. So it's, uh, you know, I just, I, I think as a bookmaker, again, it's, um, there's so many tools you want, you know, but some it, the tools are there for you in your customer base. You know, would it be nice for bookmakers to hire a handicapper? You know, some, some bookmakers swear by it, I've seen. Yeah, I got my, I got these guys that, you know, they give me the number, but, you know, and I pay him. But I think it's unnecessary because the best handicappers are the ones that you just say, listen, here's the bet. I'll hang up a line. You bet me. Some bookmakers have arrangements where I'll hang up a line. You bet me, and then you give me what you make the line for a decent size bet. Or they not maybe that's too much information a player wants to give, but the, the way the bookmaker hires that person, 
is to just let them bet and let them bet into the opener and give them a pop that they're happy with that uh, that the bookmaker is also happy with. And that's what the, there in essence is the art of bookmaking. Get to the closing line, get to that sharp closing line as fast as possible in the cheapest way possible. If every bookmaker had that goal in mind, um, the world would be a better place. Bookmakers would prosper. But again, it's, there's talent involved. And you need a talented bookmaker to know how to do that. And um, it's, uh, it's not easy. But that, I think, is, is, is how to run a proper sports book. And, um, or again, think about it. Imagine running a sports book where you go in, just imagine as a sports book manager, what would you rather do as a sports book manager? Go in and say, all right, um, any new sharp customers, let it, let's profile them. Let's be able to move accordingly. Let's look at their closing line value. Let's look at their, their, how much they're, 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 they're earning. Let's move and let's try to profile, set up our auto mover correctly so that we, we might adjust their moves, write algorithms to be able to do that automatically. That's an exciting thing to do. Instead of, all right, let's find out who's beating us and let's boot their ass and limit them. Ha, ha, ha. And bookmakers take that role and they've taken that route for years. Why? Because there was never any public pushback. When you got limited as a sharp customer, nobody knew about it. But now with social media, times have changed. Part of the reason why I even went on Twitter. To expose these guys. To say, listen, you're going you're gonna to limit me, but the world's going to know about it. Because this is, I, I don't believe in your practices. So you're going to limit me. You're going to treat me like, a, like an outcast in a state where I pay my taxes and uh, where I should be treated like everybody else. And you have a license. And that license was granted you, granted to you by elected officials where that are supposed to be working for me, but um, they're not. Because if they were working for me, they wouldn't let you kick me out. This isn't a business where it's any, it's an open, uh, ent- uh, an, uh, open business where anybody can just become a bookmaker. No, you have to be granted a license by someone that I elect, that, that I voted for, that, I, that, that was on the ballot, that appointed somebody, that might have appointed somebody to give you that license. So in essence, that license was given to you. You should be looking out for my interests, every citizen's interests, and you're not. And if you don't do that, then you know what? And you think you're going to treat me like shit and, and boot me, then I'm going to expose you. And that's what I've done. And um, I don't know if it's affected anybody, but that's just how it is. You know, a bookmaker should have the right to run his business the way he sees fit. But at the same time, if he does kick out customers, I think, and if he kicks out winning customers, uh, sharp customers, I think that should be known. It should be made public. And um, I think then the bookmaker might think twice and say, you know what? Uh, A lot of these dreamers, guys that I know that we're going to beat forever, they know that, you know, because they have a dream of being good. And let's face it. Most of the people listening to this podcast, you guys, a lot of you are dreamers that you'll probably never get good enough, but you got that dream, and you have the right to dream. And if you have that dream, the bookmaker shouldn't stifle that dream. You should be knowing that if you're playing to this bookmaker, that bookmaker, that if you get good enough, you won't be shown a door, you won't be kicked in the ass. And these bookmakers doing that, if they're going to operate that way, sure, but let it be known. I don't think they should be allowed to operate that way, but if they are, then let it be known at least. Say yes. 
we are recreational sports, meaning if you win too much, if we believe you have an edge, we will not take your action. If, if the government requires the bookmaker to do that, then see how the bookmaker then changes his business model. Then you'll see, okay, wait a minute. The, the word is getting out there. Let's invest in some talent. All we need is about one one millionth of our marketing budget to be able to get the proper talent. Again, that fraction might have been an exaggeration, but I don't even know. Is it really, you know, a talented bookmaker? Um, they're not cheap, but come on. With the marketing money that a lot of these bookmakers, a lot of these uh, sportsbooks are spending on, it's insane. Um, the talent is out there, although it's dwindling. But if you get the proper talent, know how to move the line the right way, profile the customers the right way, set the proper limits, um, then you're in a promised land. Okay. So let's go to the betters now. I know the betters are listening. Most of these are Be Better Betters. This podcast ain't called Be Better Bookmakers. It's Be Better Betters. But I just tried to give a little bit Be Better Bookmakers to a few bookmakers. I know that you guys are out there that listen. That, hey, might say this guy spanky might know a thing or three. But I don't know. if it Might go in one ear out the other. What do I know? All right. Be a better better. So you've been listening to this podcast for three years now, going on your fourth year. Spanky, I've done everything you've said. I beat the closing line. But now what? I beat it. They kick me out. I can't get down enough. What next? I've quit my job. I'm able to make a decent living. It's going great. I can't last. I can't last. What do I got to do? I'm going to answer that question. Before I do, let's talk about the better's goals and the false goals. Again, this highest ROI shit. Same thing like the bookmakers hold. Having the highest return on investment. Look at me. I'm holding 12%. Double digit hold. Wow. I'll never hold 12%. I can't have that kind of edge. But you're holding 12% on what? A couple of dimes? Come on now. You think you could really, you know what I mean? Are you going to be able to break through? Sure, you might be able to live a little comfortable. But having the highest ROI is not what it's about. That's not going to yield the most money made. You want to make the most money. Back to that 1% of a billion better than 5% of a million type thing. Some better says, I want to be famous. I remember I interviewed a guy. I'm like, what, what's your life goal here? What do you want to do? To work in my office. He said, I want to see my name in lights. Interview was going great until he said that line. I want to see my name in lights. I remember me and Chinese Mike just sat there. And we both looked at each other. And we said, all right, thanks for your time. If you want to be famous, you're in the wrong fucking business. This business is not about fame. To make money as a professional gambler, you want to be unknown. You want to work in the shadows. But Spank, look at you. Look at you. You're all over social media, you hypocrite. I've been in the shadows. I've been operating as a professional sports better since the late 90s and early 2000. 
and only in 2018 when regulated bookmaking came to the United States is when I came out of the shadows. I've been doing this shit for 18 years, and nobody knew except the people that knew who the fuck I was. Fame was never the option. It was never the goal. I didn't give a shit about fame, and in all honesty, I still don't give a shit. Sure, you like to tweet and all this shit, and you want to build up followers and all that. But listen, everything was always about making money. It's always about making the most money possible. I do this podcast. Sure, I feel as if I'm giving back to society. But don't get me wrong. Deep in my heart, I know. If I put a podcast out there, if I sound like I know what I'm talking about, I'm going to receive betting partners. It's going to help me earn more. I'm not having a sponsor. I don't need, I'm not, what am I trying to earn? A dime, two dimes a week from a sponsor? I don't need that shit. I'm trying to maximize. I don't need a sponsor. No sponsor is going to tell me what to do, when to record. No. I'm not going to bullshit my audience, tell you guys I'm the biggest. You know, I'm doing this shit out of the goodness of my heart. No, listen, I'm not going to insult anybody listening to this podcast, telling you that, uh, you know, it, 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 it's great to give back. Don't get me wrong. But any philanthropy that I do is between me, God, and the government. Nobody needs to know any of that. And uh, everything I do, there's, I'm always thinking business. you got to always think business. Um, and if I'm going to go out, and if you're going to try to be out and have a public profile, make sure it's not to be famous and to be known and be admired. It's a pat on the back is worth shit. It's all about making money. That's what you're in this game for. You're not changing the world. As a professional gambler, you're not changing the world in any way. You do nothing. If you don't go to work tomorrow, nobody misses you. Nobody gives a shit. You ain't helping anybody out. It's an empty, empty occupation. So any philanthropy, any charitable work you do on your own, God bless. Always recommend it. But listen, don't getting into this for fame. If you want to be famous, go start tap dancing on Broadway. Do whatever you want. You know, do some other bullshit. This ain't for you. Last but not least, I've heard better say, I ask, I ask, I go, well, so what, what, what do you think the, the primary goal is? And some people say beat the closing line, okay, what else? I want to beat every bookmaker. I want to beat every single bookmaker I play into. And I'm like, my God, you're so blind. It's, it's, it's a spank. If I beat every bookmaker, I'm going to make the most money. Isn't that what you just said? This is when we get into advanced topics. You know, beating every bookmaker, there's some bookmakers. So let's just talk about the relationships I have and how I don't beat every bookmaker. And I still make, I still maximize profits. So work with me here. Let's just say there's one bookmaker. We're going to talk different ways. Again, this is advanced. But just hear me out. See if it makes sense. Okay, there's a bookmaker. He might tell me, listen, Spank, I'm really heavy. It's a Super Bowl. I need a half million dollar bet on this game. And uh, I'll give you this line. I could earn it to that line. You think I give a shit if I beat that bookmaker or not? Matter of fact, I want to lose to him. I don't want to beat him. I'm going to give him whatever he needs. To help him out so my longevity could last and I could maintain that relationship. 
Heck, I might not even earn. I might even take a loss to the bet to help him out. So he knows to call me when he needs something. Now, most bookmakers that are worth anything won't make that call. And again, please don't be insulted if you are one of those bookmakers in the world that has called me, that has reached out, that needs my help. I'm not trying to play you out, but let's face it. A lot of these bookmakers have these monthly reports that they got to give to upper management. And the last thing they need is to be able to show a negative number on that report. And if I could stop that from happening, during the long run, they're giving away some money. But who cares? The management is happy seeing that they're still consistent. Management likes to see consistency. And they want to see positive in the gambling business, in the casino world. They don't want to see a negative number. They're so used to table games and slots that they where negative numbers don't exist. So when you see a sports book have a negative number because of one giant bet on one team on one game, nah. A lot of bookmakers don't want to do that. So they come to me and I help them. And sure, I'm not I'm not beating him. I don't care if I win or lose. I actually want to lose. What's another example of losing to a bookmaker where it's actually beneficial to me? There's several bookmakers out there. I'm not going to name names. That are influencers in the world. That people copy. And they copy blindly. Some of them on autopilot. Some of them have different algorithms that they copy. Now, I'm going to write a bookmaker. I'm going to bet a dime at this bookmaker. That bookmaker is going to move a point. And then I'll maybe bet a dime at another bookmaker, a dime at another bookmaker. Three dime bet. I just move the world a point. Say on a college basketball total. I turn around and bet 60 dimes the other way. Now, that bookmaker, I'm not beating him. I'm going to lose to him most likely. And I have lost to several bookmakers like that. You think I care? You think they care? They love me. Why? And they know to move on me. Because they want the, they understand, okay, Spank, it takes a while. But they eventually get it. And they'll say, yep, we understand what's happening. No problem. We'll play ball. We'll play along. We know, we see what you're doing. We know it's coming. We're going to move. This guy is going to move. That other guy is going to move. And we know in a few minutes, might be an hour, might be a few minutes, whenever it is, you're going to come back, bang the other side, and you're just trying to create value for yourself. Yes, absolutely that happens. And even though and the bookmaker loves it, because I'm going to lose to him. He's writing a bet. Doesn't care. I'll write the bet, move the number. I can't guarantee I don't move it back. Somebody might write me on the other side. <laughs> but I'm going to write that bet. And the bookmaker's happy. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. Which bookmakers are unhappy? The guys that don't move on action. The guys that think bookie A, B, and C are the do-all, end-all, and the ones that they should follow. And as long as they have a consensus aggregation of bookmaker A, B's, and C's line, that they're okay. And then once we figure out the exact algorithm with a few trial and error bets, then in essence, what these bookmakers are doing is essentially, I am virtually, indirectly, in their office, moving their lines where I want them to be. Think about that shit for a second. I know what the algorithm does. I figure out how they move, 
And it takes me, what does it cost me? It costs me 300 bucks in VIG on a three-dime bed or whatever it is, a couple of hundred dollars to have a free point, half point, whatever it is, on a 60-dime bed. You know how much a half a point is worth? I'm controlling the bookmaker. And they have no idea what's happening. What's another way? That beating every bookmaker is not the right solution. To lose to a bookmaker. Once you get to a high level, and I've said, I've always said, and I'll still preach it, beat the closing line, that should be the ultimate goal. Always want to beat the closing line. But once you get to a high level, where you believe that you have you have the best model, you have the market influencers on your team, and that you believe that you need to disguise the closing line. Now again, this doesn't apply to most of you guys. This applies to very few, if any. But that's when you have to play games and hide the closing line. So, for instance, we bet a bookmaker. This bookmaker, let's just say, copies bookie E's line. And he takes 150000 We bet him 150000 Now, we see bookie P moving in our direction. Bookie P's taking five dimes on the E. When the bookmaker runs his closing line value report, it's going to show that we had some closing line value there. And we don't want it to show that. <laughs> By all means, because we believe we're going to win without being the closing line. So what do we do? We will then get Bookie, we'll go bet Bookie P the wrong way, knowing full well we're going to lose on that bet in the long run to be able to disguise the closing line value. We might even bet at a few other bookmakers. Buy back a little bit, disguise the closing line value. So that this way, the bookmaker that we bet at, that copies Bookie P, when he runs that report, it just looks like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's just getting lucky. He's rich and lucky. Keep writing him. We'll beat him eventually. And this has been a long, long-term success uh, strategy for us. We've been doing it for so long. Especially guys that are able to think that they could write from one player, you know, they could write X, and from another player they could write 150X. It's just insane. You know, that's a different story. But these are some examples of advanced strategies to be able to maximize money, because that's what it's all about. It's all about maximizing the amount of money you earn as a bookmaker and as a sports better. Many other advanced topics, and I've talked about these initially, uh, you know, but the goals always should be to make the most money, but at the same time to maintain relationships. And again, that just goes, I, I, I've had a whole podcast on building relationships. Being your bookmaker's friend is not a wrong thing. It's not unheard of. I know in the per-head world it's hard because you're probably some guy that's giving you the account, goes through a guy that's going through a guy that's going through a guy that goes to the top. It's tough. 
But I make it a point where I try to go in the front door. I try to be friendly with all my bookmakers. I try to know who they are unless I'm going through somebody. Especially in a regulated world. I try to listen. I try to go in the front door. And I know the kiosk capers out there. They try to go in the back door. They try to do the kiosk shit. Sure, you know what I mean? But how long is that going to last? It's only going to be, it's, it's going to be a, uh, I, you know, it's la- I can't believe it's lasted this long. Bookmakers are going to know. They're going to catch up. They're going to say, hey, listen, for some reason, the bets we write on a kiosk at this hour, between this hour and that hour, or the bets we write on a kiosk, for some reason, we're losing. But the bets we write over the counter, we're winning. The bets we write online are winning. What's wrong with these kiosks? You know, and that's what happened. I don't know if that's a long-term strategy. It's still out there, and I know still people, a lot of, make, a lot of people are into that. But in my opinion, it's better to go through the front door, and sometimes you got to disguise yourself. You know, you, you, you got to find a way to flip a whale to prime a whale. Prime an account. That's a lost art. A lost art. You go in there right away. You start betting props. You start betting shit. Lines moving three points. Spank, I'm doing what you told me. I'm beating the closing line. All right. Congrats. Hope you won. After you got kicked out after a week or severely limited after a week. Sure, that should be the ultimate goal. Yes. But you graduated now. You can't consistently beat the closing line and expect to continue operations without scalability and without being able to rejuvenate accounts. Can you do that? We're lucky. We have Asian outs. The Asians tell us. They tell Chinese Mike. Don't worry. You'll just win. We get you more account. And that's it. So they don't give a shit. They know we're going to get kicked out. And we have some Asians that just keep giving us accounts. We lost this account. He'll have a fresh one. Might get a fresh account every week. And several of them. Can you get that? You know how hard that shit is? For my non-Asian listeners out there, you think you could penetrate that kind of that kind of market? Yeah, okay, good luck. I couldn't do it without Chinese Mike. I doubt you can. If you can, go ahead. I've had to go to several meetings in Chinatown, go to these, you know, underground meetings, Mahjong, all that shit. Being the only guy in there, the only white guy, and, you know, and still I'm not accepted, really. It's a, it's a tight-knit community. Every single community... You know, religious community, ethnicity, whatever it is, they stick to their own for the most part. But if there's one community, and in, in, when it comes to gambling, that I think should be the focus of infiltration by every professional sports better, it is the Asian community. Because they are by far the most prominent gamblers in the world. They bet the most money. You have a few Asian bookmakers, you should be good. For a while. And once they believe in you, oh, that's it. It's over. They love that shit. And they'll do everything they can. But it's hard. It's very, very difficult to be able to get to that level and to get those connections. Um, Mike is an expert at it. Uh, I'm not when it comes. I try to talk to just, you know, the non-Asian world. Anyhow. I hope this... Uh, Podcast shed some light. Hope I checked a couple of things off. There's so many other things, relationships, longevity and doing favors, but 
Beating every bookmaker, definitely not the right answer. It's okay to lose. It's okay to write a bet that's negative EV. It's okay. It's okay not to always have the best of it. Because having the worst of it in the short run could lead to overall more of the best of it in the long run. Don't be penny wise, dollar foolish. Think long term. I make it a point. I've done this in building relationships. Anybody out there, if I've ever taken... I make it a point, whenever I'm out to dinner, I'm always picking up the tab. I'm always picking up the check. Why? Because what does it cost me? A nickel, a dime, two dimes. In the grand scheme of things, what is that? If I'm doing big business, it means nothing. And then you have what you build a relationship with that person. It's the easiest, smallest, most simplest. It's the most simplest thing to do. Picking up a bar tap, picking up everything. And people, oh man, thanks, man. Okay, no problem. Sure, it's nice to do nice things. But at the same time, there's always a business component to it. Do nice things, but know that, hey, listen, this guy, he's a, you know, he, he's a nice guy. And uh, I want to do business with him. It's just natural. It's, just, it's a natural tendency. You know, if this guy picks up my check, why why shouldn't I want to do business with him? He's such a nice guy. He's generous. Let me be generous. You know, and 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 what is it? It's, it's, there's no effort. You just make sure the check comes to you. Little things like this that that you just you know, these, these, when you dot these eyes and cross these T's, um, they come back in uh, in a in a, in a full form. And uh, they come back in uh, in multiples. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.